through this podcast i just wanted to like collect like conversations from like different parts uh different kinds of jobs and like all the other people like you talk to any person they'll have a story which is really good to hear and as a 17 year old you wouldn't have heard that um no. you're just so sheltered you just go to school you come back home and you talk to your parents and they have so much influence on you this is wanted to be a doctor and engineer i'm just so tired of that uh, um yeah, there's a list of like five jobs they want you to do and then that's it like nothing else is within their their accepted uh career paths for you it's it's wild um and you don't really get to learn what you want until until you go out and experience life like i i realized that i wanted to write which is something i had suppressed for so long um but i was studying for my exams and every time in between like uh every time i would uh, go to make food or whatever like i would take study breaks and i would watch the office and i realized that i liked doing that a lot more than i liked studying obviously uh and then there was like uh, uh before the office series finale there was like a 40 minute special that was an interview with all the writers and the, the producers and directors behind the scenes and the actors and they were talking about how much fun they had making the show and how fun it was in the writers room or whatever whatever and i was like oh my god this is a real job that's what i want to do and that's what started all of this that that was it and i realized like oh what am i doing I'm wasting my time studying for stuff i don't care about um where i could be doing that instead hey everyone i hope you guys are doing well my name is apurva misra for those of you who are listening to this for the first time and i'm a machine learning engineer based in toronto and this podcast is all about dissecting different careers and today we have rob michaels he's an arab canadian writer actor director and improviser based in toronto and i really didn't know which title to use for him so he's going to introduce himself Uh all right hey how's it going uh my name is Rob Michaels I am a writer and comedian based in Toronto uh I've written for uh some TV shows I have my own sketch comedy channel that's gotten a lot of views online uh and I work uh at the Second City And I'm going to put a link to your website in the description yeah, cool. for sure um so that people can have a look at that Um and there was one thing that I came across on your website Rob um there was this one line I just wanted to say that out loud Rob's greatest accomplishment is completing a math degree and a business degree simultaneously and then choosing a career that requires neither uh, so can yeah. you explain that a bit more <laughs> Yeah I had a feeling it was going to be that one um, <laughs> Yeah uh I mean Uh, yeah so i i i mean ever since i was a kid i i always kind of wanted to like act or like i used to draw cartoons and create my own like uh i wanted to like create my own animated show or whatever like that was always my kid, my dream as a kid but of course immigrant parents uh my parents are from the middle east and they were like that's not a real job you have to be a doctor or a lawyer like the same story as almost any immigrant kid has gone through i bet Um yeah so then I went to school for math and business uh at Waterloo and Laurier I did the double degree program there I uh I actually initially uh applied and I was in uh the science program at Waterloo and I spent about 3 days in it uh cuz I was planning on being a doctor my parents convinced me to be an optometrist I spent about 3 days in it and then I switched over to math uh and I was like math is something I'm good at I'm comfortable whatever and then after I graduate I could go to law school or I could do like whatever I want Um and then after I graduated I did the math and business program and then after I graduated uh I had a bunch of co-ops as I went along uh and I 
didn't like working office jobs at all. Uh, so then when I graduated, I was like, well, what now what? Like I just get a co-op that never ends. Like that sounds awful. Uh, so I decided to, I got a job uh, working as a consultant, but then at nights I started taking classes uh, at Second City. I was taking comedy writing classes and improv classes. And, um, yeah, and then over a couple of years, I eventually was able to fully transition into the entertainment side of things, uh, much to my parents' dismay. Um, but I'm a lot happier now. <laughs> And what did your parents think about your decision then? At first, they were like, they thought I was nuts. And they were like, what are you doing? This is the dumbest career you could go into. Um, and then after, uh, it was funny, after about two-ish years of me pursuing this, maybe three, um, I invited them to a show that I did at the Second City, which was, uh, it was the conservatory graduation show uh, where you perform on their main stage and it's like a 300 person theater and it was sold out and my parents came this is the first time they were ever going to see me perform anything uh and we did the show and the show was amazing and then when i finished i went and i approached my parents and my dad to my surprise was like i get why you're doing what you're doing and i was like what <laughs> i was so shocked uh and then yeah he, he became supportive at that time and then like a month went by and he's like okay well like you know, nothing's happening yet. Why don't you go back to being a lawyer? Uh, why don't you go to law school? Whatever. And I'm like, okay, just calm down. Uh, you know, it's a, this, these things take time. And I mean, now he's gotten like more supportive as we've gone because he's kind of given up on the idea of me giving up and going to law school. But uh, he has been excited with some of the stuff that I've made, which is good. Yeah, your parents are very supportive then. <laughs> um... And uh, I've, I've had to work on them a lot. <laughs> um, I completely understand. Like my parents are Indian. Um, yeah, I do understand. Um, I feel like they also got to a point where they realized they didn't have a choice because I'm so hard-headed that no matter what they said, I was not going to agree with them. So it was a matter of them being like, okay, fine, do what you're doing, or them just like not talking to me anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so they kind of had to choose and they were like, all right, fine, we can't change his mind. So I guess we'll just see how this whole career thing uh, works out. Yeah. Um, and how much do you think the co-ops in your pro program helped you? Like you could like experience what you're going to do in a nine to five job? And yeah, I mean, like co-ops are great. They are honestly such a good thing to have. I feel like almost every program should have co-ops. Um, they give you like real life experience. And um, I did have some co-ops. I had one co-op that I really enjoyed. Um, but even then, even though I enjoyed it, I was like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. But it was fun for four months because I got to really challenge myself. And I worked at Unilever. Uh, and I got to really challenge myself. I learned BBA while I was there. I like automated all my work. And then I started working with like the director of finance. And like I started doing all this stuff that was not part of my job. So I like really escalated as a co-op, which was great. Um, but it was still not what I wanted to do. But yeah, I would say that like co-ops really helped me learn that I wasn't meant for an office job. And I, I need to be passionate about my, my work. And um, co-op taught me that I wouldn't be. <laughs> Yeah, in the finance and uh, business world. Yeah, that's that's important. That insight that you get from like yeah. diving into different areas, it's it's important. And mm -hmm. um, and I, I I was going to your website and and I saw like you make videos, you write sketches, you do comedy. So what do you like the most among all of this? Uh, I definitely 
identify most as a writer. Um, when I first got into the whole industry, like my idea was that I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write for TV shows. Um, and then when I started taking classes at Second City, I started to realize that I did really like performing. Uh, I think I realized I was a narcissist a little bit, and I really enjoyed getting laughs, uh, like being the face of the laughs. Um, who, who got the last, not being the one who gets laughed at, obviously. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I think uh, I really did enjoy the performing aspect of it as well. Um, but yeah, I would say I do enjoy the writing of it and then getting to see like your final product made, right? Like I write a sketch and, I, and then it's just on paper and then I collaborate with a handful of people who all help it come to life and then you see this a piece of work that you're really proud of in the end and it's it's awesome it never gets old and like how do you come in contact with these actors you weren't in this area isn't it you your education was oh. in completely different like networking yeah, and exactly. yeah yeah exactly i i graduated and i had zero connections to the entertainment industry i didn't even know how to start and that's why i just i took a class at second city i took like improv level a and then i started to meet other uh, aspiring actors and other people who wanted to get into the industry. And as I kept taking classes there, I met more and more people. And then I got accepted into, they have a conservatory program that you audition for. And then everyone in there is like more serious. And it, like some people you are doing improv just for a hobby. But then when you start getting further along, you start to meet people who are more invested in the industry. Like that's their career goal. Those are their aspirations. And they're all so willing to collaborate. Everyone's willing to just work on anything they want to act in stuff because they want something on their demo reel they want to help like no one is expecting to get paid because no one makes any money in the early stages um but yeah and then that's when we met everyone that uh, we collaborate with basically um just by slowly building those connections and i see that you have your own website and is visual genies your own production house or something yeah, so um, I my website features like all of my work, and then one uh, thing that I do a lot of is I make comedy sketches, and that is with a, a partner. Um, so my uh, comedy partner, Fatty Galli, uh, him and I went to high school together, and he's very similar. He's Egyptian, almost the exact same uh, experience as me, where he went to school for engineering for like a week, and then quit, and then went into business, and then started working a business job, hated it. And then he approached me, he's like, I want to be an actor, you want to be a writer, why don't we start a YouTube channel together? And I was like, all right, I'm down. Uh, and then we started making those videos. Uh, so we like we saved up some money from our co-ops and our business jobs. We bought a bunch of equipment, uh, but we split it 50-50, which was great. Uh, so it made it a lot more affordable. And then we started filming these videos and they were funny. Uh, and then after about a year, uh, we met uh, a, a friend of ours who saw our videos and he was like, oh, your stuff is really funny, but it sucks in terms of filming. Let me film it for you because I know what I'm doing. Because neither one, Fatty and I did not know how to use a camera. Like we were just kind of like putting it on a tripod and pressing record. Like we didn't know what we were doing, right? Um, so then we had our friend come in and he was like a proper cinematographer and camera operator. So he really knew what he was doing and he had really good equipment. Then he started filming our stuff and it got infinitely better. And, and now we have stuff that like, looks really professional and it's awesome how do you get feedback in this industry and like i know the number of views maybe the number of subscribers but how do you know what's going wrong and what's working out you kind of have to just trust yourself aside from like the views and the the subscribers and stuff like sometimes we release stuff that i know is so good and then it gets no views it gets like you know a hundred 500 views on because i posted we posted it on our facebook right and then it's like that's it 
And then I get upset because I'm like, man, this doesn't deserve, this isn't getting the attention it deserves. Uh, but then like months down the road, I'll find a way to promote it. Like for example, um, one of our videos that went viral uh, was a parody of Little Mermaid. Uh, it was like Kiss the Girl live action remake where we're all in costumes and we're uh, dancing around in a lake. And instead of saying Kiss the Girl, we're singing Ask for Consent. Uh, and so uh, I knew that video should do really well, but when we first released it, it got like maybe a thousand views. Uh, it was sitting so low, and then months went by, and then on Reddit, I saw that the trailer for Aladdin came out, um, and the top comment on the thread of the trailer was that the CGI on the genie looked really bad, uh, and then I commented underneath that, being like, yeah, that CGI is almost as bad as the live-action Little Mermaid, and then I linked our video, which was like clear, clearly a joke, but then Reddit absolutely loved it, and it got like 30,000 views overnight, and like that was like, you know, that's the affirmation you get. It's like, oh, okay, I was right, but this, and then it did go viral because the Nine Gag featured it, and it got like seven million views on their Nine Gag, and like so on and so forth. But I guess you don't really know it's good um, until that stuff happens. You just kind of have to trust yourself. And there's so many videos that we still have that have so few views that like you have to kind of be your own critic. And and we've made videos that I've written. And then we filmed them, and then I decided not to release them because I thought they were bad. I was like, nope, this isn't good enough. Don't want to release it. So, like, I am kind of my own worst critic. So when I do release something, I'm usually pretty confident in that. Like, oh, it's, it's, I I like it. Wow. Seems like marketing is a big factor and being present on all all social media websites. Yeah, it is. It's huge. It's so much bigger. And, and, you know, it's crazy because, like, you put in so much work. Some of our sketches take months to make and then you release it and then it gets like you know your Facebook friends like it and that's it and no one else sees it and it's like so excruciating how much effort you put for like so few people to see it um, but I mean that's just like the industry we never we never started we didn't start our channel to like go viral and become YouTube famous we started our channel to be able to show that we had a portfolio of work that we were proud of and that we could show people being like hey hire us we can we can do this um, so, you know, we've kind of, we've achieved that, which is, which is good. And, and our channel has served its purpose for sure. And if it gets a lot of views and traction, that's just a bonus. Yeah. And uh, do you do any sort of tracking, like which social media platform is like working well for your uh, videos? We, and stuff? Sorry, what? Like any sort of tracking data analytics or something on the number of views uh-huh. you're getting from different social media platforms and no, no. Aside from just... I'm a data science person, so I just wanted to like... <laughs> No, no, no worries. I, yeah, no, I like, you would think, because I have a math background, I should be looking at the statistics. I do not. Um, I, no, I just look at what the views are, and I, I hate social media personally. Like, I try not to use that much. If I didn't have to self-promote my work, I probably would delete Instagram and Facebook and all of it. Like, I don't really, I'm not super active on it, um, but you kind of have to be in, in this industry to, like, get attention towards what you're doing. And where do you get the inspiration from for all the different sketches? Like, they are so different. <laughs> all of them are so different. Yeah, I'm pretty are. sure, like, there, there is influence from your Arab background. You can, like, talk about that too. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll go, like, I mean, so at the beginning when we first started a channel, it was actually very fun. It's funny because I, I had, like, a completely different mentality that I do now. Um, when I first started the channel, I just wrote down, like, a bunch of funny ideas that I had, anything that was, like, you know, anything that came to mind, right? Like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I got robbed and, you know, I was, like, asking the guy to help me, like, keep my phone 
because I had all my notes on it or whatever, like, you know, whatever. Uh, or like, you know, my notes. My <laughs> anyway, whatever. That's like one of our older sketches. Uh, uh, or like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if you had a, an autocorrect service that like corrected all of your messages for you so that you didn't say something stupid? Uh, like, whatever. So like random funny ideas here and there that I would write a whole sketch. Um, and then, uh, and then they became like pop culture sketches. Like, for example, I was, I'm a huge Disney nerd. So I was like listening to my Disney playlist and kiss the girl came on and I was like, man, that wouldn't fly anymore. I feel like now they change it to like ask for consent if they remade it. And then I like wrote that. And then I was like, no, we're doing that. That's funny. Uh, so like ideas would come randomly. And then, um, when I, when we first started, I, I didn't really want to make stuff about being Arab because I didn't want to be pigeonholed. I felt, and this is like a common thing that happens in the industry where like they hire diverse writers to only tell diverse stories. Um, it's like, Oh, we're going to hire someone who's Arab because we want to, for them to like write about Arab characters, but then like they don't like you write, like they wouldn't hire you for a show that's just like white people, you know what I mean? Whereas like I wanted to be able to write for any show, so I wanted to show that my humor was like super accessible. I could write for like the white people point of view, like North American stuff that's just like super relatable, super accessible. Uh, and I didn't want to just like break in because I was a diversity hire, right? Um, but then last year, uh, after like, you know, all, everything came to light in terms of like lack of representation and racism in the industry and everything. I was like, oh man, like there are so few Arabs in the industry and it's almost like, it's not, it, not that we have a responsibility, but like we have a platform and we have an ability to make sketches. Like we should be using this to elevate Arab voices. And so that last year was when I was like, oh, I'm going to start making content about being Arab about my Arab experience to like shed a, shine a light towards a whole uh, race of people that are not getting the time of day in the industry. So then that's when I wrote one of the sketches about like the lack of Arab representation. I remember last year I was like trying to think of people Arab, like famous Arab celebrities in Hollywood and I could name three. And I was like, that's wild. There are like millions, hundreds of millions of Arabs in the world. And there's three famous people like Rami Malik, Rami Yusuf, and Omar Sharif, like that was all I could name at the time. Um, so yeah, that's when I, I decided to write a game show called Name That Arab Celebrity, where no one was doing well because there are so few answers to begin with. Uh, and then I was talking to one of my friends about, um, uh, we were watching a bunch of Marvel movies and uh, I was like, why is there no Arab superhero? Uh, and I was like messaging my friend about it and he was like, we should just make our own Arab superhero. And I like laughed him off. I was like, yeah, man, imagine. Uh, and then uh, I was thinking about the idea like a few hours later and I was like, man, if I did become a superhero, my parents would still probably prefer I was a doctor. And that joke was like the light bulb I had in my head where I was like, oh, we can't make an Arab superhero for real, but we can make a comedy sketch about it. Uh, and then I went home and I started writing that sketch. Uh, which I don't know if you've seen, but that's like been our most popular sketch that we've released since. Um, and yeah, that that is how. Anyway, the idea is it's a long, super long answer of your question. The ideas kind of come randomly, just like based on conversations or experience I have in my life. Um, and yeah, and then and being Arab has definitely uh, been something that I feel I. Um, I wish I had taken advantage of earlier. I wish I had brought out those stories because it is people want 
people want to hear them. There are so many people that don't feel themselves represented, and like like that's a testament to why our Arab superhero went like viral because it was like, oh, this is refreshing. This is a nice change of pace from from what we normally get. We're finally seeing ourselves represented on screen, and it's funny, and it's you know we're not the bad guys. We're finally the good guys, or whatever. Were there times you experienced imposter syndrome? Because now when I imagine myself maybe breaking into a completely new field, like uh, writing my own sketch, I wouldn't even know what's the format. When do I know it's complete? Like, so uh, much it, there. That's what practice is for, right? That's like when I, I took all these classes at Second City and then I like performed in, in a bunch of like, we, I took all these programs at Second City where you're performing constantly. So you get to put your, you get to write sketches and then you get to put them up on stage. So you get to see what lands and what doesn't. And sometimes you write something and it eats absolute garbage because no one laughs. And you learn. You learn what works and what doesn't work. So a lot of the sketches that are on uh, my channel are actually sketches that I did on stage initially. I got to see, I tested them in front of audiences and I was like, okay, this works. This is funny. Let's film it. Um, so, I mean, I would, I would say that I, I feel like I haven't done anything massive enough to feel imposter syndrome yet um because i feel like it's been such a slow progression and i feel like i'm progressing at like you know a rate that's not overwhelming that i feel pretty comfortable um and i'm excited that things are starting to get a little bit more traction and maybe one day i will feel imposter syndrome that's a good segue to start with success how do you define success Ooh, uh, <laughs> i mean it's funny because some people would say that like just getting writing work in general is successful um, because a lot of people who start out working in this industry never, or sorry, pursuing this industry never actually get any work because it's such a competitive industry and it's so hard. Um, and the fact that I'm starting to break in and start, like I've gotten work on like TV shows in the writer's room and, and you know, I'm, I'm getting paid to write, which is something that a lot of people, you know, don't have the... Um, the opportunity the, to do. Um, so, uh, but for me, I guess success, like my dream has always from the beginning been to be like to create my own show. Uh, so that is when I think I would feel like, oh, okay, I've, I've done something great now. I've, I've made it, I've accomplished my dreams. And everything on the way is still like amazing and, and super exciting. But that, you know, yeah, there's different levels of success and that would be like my top level of like, oh, okay, this, I've achieved what I've set out to do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're going, going to get one of your shows soon. <laughs> um, uh, I hope so. Thank you. And um, how much did the pandemic affect you? I, I see that oh. you do a lot of like digital videos and maybe a few live performances. So I, I'm not sure whether... Yeah, it definitely did. It's funny because like the pandemic made it so hard to continue what I was doing, but then it ended up being my most successful year in terms of writing, which is wild. Um, but when it first happened, we, we had to shut down. We had a, we were going to film a sketch at the end of March. We had to cancel it. We had nothing like we released our sketches that we already had finished editing. We released them during the pandemic, but then like afterwards we weren't able to film anything. Uh, for months and then when we were able to film because the summer the cases went down we were able to like we filmed our like um our video game parody we filmed that in the summer because it was fully outdoors and we could stay six feet away from each other um 
But like, yeah, and then it, it was really hard because then we had to start considering like, okay, if we were going to film sketches, they had to be with people who were bubbled together. We had to make sure that we were like either outside or we were, um, you know, super safe and, and wearing masks and getting, uh, you know, following all the precautions. Um, and, and it was, it was very, it, it changed everything. It was harder to get locations because no one was letting us use our places, their places because of COVID. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was tough, but then luckily I, in terms of getting writing work, I was able to, uh, I had some things in the works that were, um, that kind of like I had meetings before the pandemic and I had met people and they kept me in mind so that during the pandemic they offered me some positions, which was great. So, but like, I kind of got lucky that that happened, that I had planted all the seeds before the pandemic happened and, and then they, they flowered during the pandemic. How long does it take to get a video from start to finish? Oh man, it depends so much on the video. Like, uh, I would say on average a month, um, because, or I guess, no, that's just like after we film it. Um, I would say like, usually I write it and that takes uh, at least like, I mean, I can write it in a day, but then I'll like sit with it. I'll let it sit for a week and I'll go back to it and be like, how do I change it? How do I make it better or whatever? Um, so I would say like, you know, a week of writing, uh, then we would film it, and then after we film it, we need to like edit it, which takes a few weeks sometimes. And then depending on how much work we need to do in the edit, um, oh, and then before, sorry, before we even film it, there's like at least a week of prep, maybe two weeks sometimes of like trying to find locations, trying to cast actors, trying to like get everything uh, according to everyone's schedule because you know our filmographer is so busy, and we have to like he will give us like two days at the end of the month and we'll be like, okay, we got to plan everything within these two days. And then we have to like find people who are available in those two days and people who are bubbled together because of COVID or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of work. And then after we edit it, that usually takes a few weeks too. And depending on the sketch, like for example, the, the Arab superhero one, that one took us three months to edit because of how much work we put into it with like, we had someone do the sound design, uh, which is why it sounds like super professional. We had someone do VFX. We had uh, Kenzie, who was our cinematographer and our filmographer. He he edited it and he composed the music while he was editing it. So that takes a long time too. Like it was original music that he composed. Um, so that one took like the longest for sure. Uh, but I guess each sketch kind of ranges, and I would say like on average a month. Wow. And you yeah. guys are doing this yourself. All the planning yeah. and stuff. Yeah, wow. uh, everything, everything ourselves. Everything uh, we do, uh, like pretty much unpaid. We're putting our own money into it to like uh, get locations and get food on set and like buy props and stuff. Um, all that is out of pocket, and yeah. <laughs> um, how much do you think education matters, and what what major you are in, or what minor you are in? And what you finally end up doing, and how many times can you change your career? Um, I I think education is important for sure, uh, even though I didn't use mine. Um, it it it's really hard to say. Look, I, I mean, like you don't need to go to film school clearly I'm, I'm showing that that sounded so obnoxious but i mean like you don't have to go to film school and you can just teach yourself and learn film school is really from everyone i've spoken to has gone to film school they're like you don't need to go to film school the only good thing about film school is like making connections 
So if you take classes elsewhere or like you volunteer or like you find ways to just like get yourself surrounded by people who are in the industry uh, and then you teach yourself, you can break in. And I think that would go for any career. Um, obviously, it's harder for like the business world and, and, and that stuff because they do literally look on your resume to see if you have uh, you have a degree. But there are other things where like, for example, if you're a programmer, if you program, if you didn't go to school, you taught yourself and you program something that's amazing you'll get hired, right? It's just a matter of like, can you demonstrate that you are competent? Can you make something that we want? Uh, can you make something that we think is impressive? And that's why the film industry, you don't really need to go to film school because you can make your own stuff and get noticed that way. Um, but I will say like, I don't regret my education because uh, I, I think it did really cement um, that I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I think if I, if I had gone to film school right away after like high school, which also, by the way, it's crazy to make people decide what they want to do for the rest of their lives at 17 years old. Um, absolutely wild. Uh, and I think you can change your career as many times as you want. It's never too late, but people always think it's too late. And it's like, well, I mean, you're 25 now. Would you rather, you know, uh, 35 more, is that right math? Uh, 40 years of, up until you retire, 40 years more of doing the same job you don't like? Or would you rather just switch careers now and do another two years of school or three years of school or whatever, however long it's going to take, and then actually do something you want to do for the rest of your life. So anyway, I, I think it's never too late to change your, your career. Um, but what I was saying is that I don't regret my schooling because I think if I had gone to film school like right after and I you know, didn't find success immediately, I would have maybe second-guessed myself. I would have been like, did I make the right career choice? Um, should I go into business? Should I give up? Whereas now I know like, oh, there's no way I'm giving up because this is for sure what I want to do. This is for sure what I'm passionate about. And I know what's on the other side and I don't want to be on the other, other side. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, any other advice you would like to give in? Uh, those are my questions. Uh, what kind of advice? Um, if a 17 <laughs> like year old is listening to this, maybe you would want correct? to add some pointers some pointers like for people like looking to pursue the film industry why not yeah um yeah i guess like surround yourself like take take classes if you want to be a writer take writing classes if you want to be a performer take acting classes improv classes if you want to do comedy um like all of that is really good don't be afraid to fail they teach you that in all these classes too is like putting yourself out there everyone fails uh, Kevin Hart is one of the most successful stand-ups and he got food the first like five times he was on stage. Like he got food off the stage. Um, you just have to try and you have to fail and you fail a lot and you get so much rejection, but all it takes is like one big yes to change everything, right? Um, yeah, and, and you gotta keep going and, and you'll get better as you go. Um, and surround yourself with people who are better than you. Like I, I, I constantly, uh, you know, looked up to people who were performing on the Second City main stage, and I thought they were amazing, and I and I wanted to learn with, from them, and I I took classes that they were teaching because I wanted to learn from them, and and you know that's how you get noticed as well is is you get on those people's radar, people who are better than you, those are the people who will open doors, um, and that way you're constantly improving as well. So I guess that those would be my my key pieces of advice for anyone wanting to pursue the entertainment industry. Uh, and it's brutal. Be prepared for a lot of rejection. But if it's what you love and it's what you want to do, then it won't matter. Yeah. It was so much fun talking to you, Rob. This was completely yeah. new to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, God. thanks for having me. Uh, this, was, this was fun.
I hope this was uh, entertaining to listen to. Hey everyone, I'm back again. I hope you enjoyed the discussion with Rob. I just wanted to bring up an important point that Rob mentioned: exploration versus exploitation. Exploring different career opportunities through short stints and figuring out what you like and especially what you do not like and then exploiting them in such a way that you get a fulfilling career. 